Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, uh, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Roger Wiegand, who publishes Trader Tracks, and Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying, What is Chen Selling? And we like to remind you that we do provide a special lower-priced introductory offer just to encourage you to try those three newsletters, each of them separately. If you call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, in New York at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426, or you can go to miningstocks.com. Also, I'd like to remind you that you can access this radio show and all that I do, including uh, those newsletters I just mentioned and my own newsletter, uh, go to jtaylormedia.com. That's jaytaylormedia.com. I want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. For the first hour of today's show, our sponsors are American Manganese, Airway Energy, Clifton Star Resources, Eurasian Minerals, Goldrich Mining Company, and Prodigy Gold. And, of course, we want to thank each of you for listening to the show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. This week I am talking to you from Vancouver, where I have just attended and participated in the Cambridge House Resource Conference. Uh, certainly the focus is on the gold share markets, uh, not exclusively, but largely so here in this town, uh, which is probably the incubator city of the world for the mining sector. Lots of tiny little mining companies get their start here. The city is filled with geologists and people with the technical expertise to explore and develop gold mining projects. So Vancouver uh, is the city far and away best known and uh, with the most talent uh, for uh, exploring and developing mineral projects. Well, gold is a big topic for sure. The gold share markets have been taken down to such price levels that make them extremely tempting to buy right now. But might they still get cheaper? Might gold shares still go down further? That is uh, a main concern uh, that I have. Some time ago I told my subscribers that they should sell 75% of all their equities, build cash, 
perhaps take some short uh, strategies also because of my bearish view on the big market, the general uh, equities markets, globally even. Uh, my main concerns have been uh, that uh, that we're there's just simply too much debt in the global economy. It cannot be repaid. And there have been numerous cases in the past when we've had these huge credit bubbles uh, that have gone to the point where um, the entire system becomes insolvent. The last such time prior to this one was the 1930s, but certainly as we see things playing out in Europe, everything going on there, uh, not to mention the problems that we still have in the United States that have been swept under the rug or the been, the cans been kicked down the uh, road, as they say. Uh, lots of problems uh, yet to be solved here in the United States. It's not that they can't be solved, but certainly it would seem that current policies are not are not going on the right direction. Um, my my main concern uh, is that we have hello. Um, yeah, are you are you hearing me? Okay, okay, fine, okay. I, um, all right, uh, sorry about that. Well, my main concern is that we have this massive debt problem uh, and that debt deflation still awaits us, and that, that could take the equity markets in general down to a great extent with us. Uh, I do fear that we could have another Lehman Brothers type of event um, with Europe being the most obvious, uh, the most obvious problem right in front of us right now. Uh, the Western world has lived under an illusion that we can have something for nothing, that we can uh, extend debt and, and live beyond our means, and we've done that to the point, I believe, where the system is uh, is telling us no more. A lot of interesting things going on. I understand there is an emergency G7 meeting going on. There's been some talk about um, about Europe turning to gold-backed bonds in order to borrow money to stay alive. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's very interesting to note also that the Chinese and the Japanese have apparently made an arrangement where they will settle their trades uh, not in U.S. dollars any longer, but in their own currencies. These are some things I think that are taking place that are really signs that the system is uh, certainly uh, cracking apart, falling apart, or at least some cracks in the system that suggest there's some real problems. Um, the, what is really important from my point of view as one who invests in the gold mining sector is that the real price of gold is rising very dramatically. And Bob Hoy has pointed out that this, uh, when this happens, uh, it is very, very bullish for the gold mining sector. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so uh, we're, we're looking at actually a, a new high last Friday with the new with the uh, real price of gold rising to uh, 49.5% of the Rogers Raw Materials Fund. In other words, an ounce of gold would buy that percentage of the fund. <clears throat> Excuse me. Prior to the Lehman Brothers event, uh, an ounce of gold would have purchased only 17% of the Rogers Raw Materials Fund. And what that means then is that the uh, margins for gold mining profits uh, gold mining companies have gone up very, very dramatically. And uh, this is something that has happened repeatedly throughout history, according to Bob Hoy. So I do remain very, very bullish on the gold mining shares, but again, the question is, could they go down some more before they go up? Uh, but the, there are some extremely inexpensive shares out there now, and in just a few minutes, I'm going to talk to, um, to our first uh, guest today, after our first commercial break, uh, we're going to be talking with the with Michelle Bouchard, who is the president and CEO of Clifton Star Resources. Well, this is a company that is a sponsor of the show. It's also a company that I have recommended in my newsletter. And just this morning, I began to um, 
as I began to investigate for this, uh, this story for this interview, I bought some shares for my own account at a price that is only about one-eighth of the company's high price going back into the early part of 2010 when it sold at around $8 per share. So I'm looking forward. Uh, I should also note that uh, in the meantime, this is a company that's made tremendous progress uh, since that point in time uh, when it was selling at $8 a share. Uh, a lot of progress made on its project in Quebec, uh, but not only that, it's upgraded its management team very significantly uh, to uh, some people headed up by Michelle Bouchard, who we're going to talk to in just a couple of minutes, uh, that can really make this, uh, advance this company, advance this project forward, in my view. The real excitement, of course, today uh, is the appearance of uh, both Louis Lehrman and Ron Paul together. Uh, both will be joining me at about half past the hour, Congressman Paul may need to leave for a vote on the floor of the House, so uh, he may be only available during the first half hour of this show, but I do expect to have uh, Mr. Lehrman with me through the full hour, um, that is through the full first half of the second hour of the show. And we're going to be talking about the um, the issue that is probably uh, both of these men are mo- best known for, and that is uh, the gold standard and honest money. And how can we return or how can we move forward uh, to a gold standard that, that works for this time and this day and age? Because one of the main complaints that we constantly hear about the gold standard is that it's no longer a relevant um, monetary system. So uh, I, I would say that, uh, Justin, if we can maybe, okay, uh, let's just go forward. Uh, Justin, if we can, can we take a break now perhaps? And um, if we have Michelle Bouchard with us? Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, this is really about all I have to say right now, but let's just say that the share markets today are doing um, a little better. The gold share markets, as we look at the TSX, uh, as we look at the TSX gold, uh, gold index, uh, it was on a very sharp path downwards. It has broken above that downtrend line, and uh, there is some reason. Um, there is some there is some reason to believe that we are going to be going into uh, that we could be uh, bottoming out here in the gold share market uh, and that we could be seeing a basing what I do want to see before I become very much more bullish on the gold shares is uh, some bottoming process here where we can uh, gain some confidence that, uh, that that we're not going to go a great deal lower but I still believe one of the best strategies is to be very cautious about investing and I'm going to have something to say in the second hour of today's show about what kind of uh, gold mining companies you're going to want to buy, or, or I believe you're sh- you should be buying it, this, given uh, my views of the world and, and the uh, equity markets and the dangers that could lie ahead of us. Um, so, uh, and, and mostly what I think we want to do is focus on companies that have the ability to produce cash flows uh, that have, can produce gold and, uh, and can come out with uh, good, solid profits because the little junior mining companies, many of them that, uh, that are based here in this city of Vancouver, are going to have a very difficult time if I'm right and if we're going to see, uh, if we're going to see um, a real decline in the, uh, in the equity markets and if these guys, these companies that have to constantly raise equity to put holes in the ground find themselves uh, having a difficult time not diluting their shareholder uh, their shareholders to to levels that make it very very difficult but one of the things that I should say about Clifton Star um, and they will be back with us uh, they will be with us in just a minute uh, or so um, 
I am uh, Michelle Bouchard is the president and CEO of Clifton Star, and uh, he he will uh, hopefully be with us in a few minutes. But one of the things I do like about the company is that there's only 35 million shares outstanding, and a dollar eleven or so, it means that the market cap is very very low. Uh, we are going to go to a break right now, and when we come back, we'll have Michelle Bouchard with us uh, to tell us uh, what he is planning to do and how he's planning to take his company forward. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Why invest in Clifton Star Resources? Because they begin the year with excellent drilling results and high goal recovery tests on the Duparquet project. A new experience management team with proven exploration and development achievements is in place. The properties have historically produced over 1.5 million ounces of gold. They are located along the prolific Porcupine Dester Break in mining-friendly Quebec, near Rouen, Noranda. A new resource estimation will be released in May. Clifton Star is only 35 million shares outstanding and is well-funded. Are you looking for a junior gold company that will give you upside exposure to major gold discovery potential, cash flow, and is located in a secure jurisdiction? Goldrich offers you a unique opportunity and controls almost the entire historic Chandelar Mining District, located in the prolific Ambler Schist Belt in Alaska. The company is applying modern-day techniques to explore the district that previously hosted four hard rock gold mines and various placer operations. Visit Goldrich on the web at www.goldrichmining.com or look us up under the ticker symbol GRMC. Prodigy Gold is transitioning from gold explorer to mine developer. We are well-funded, located in stable eastern Canada. The Magino Gold Project has a robust production profile of 250,000 ounces a year, strong project economics with a $939 million NPV. Total gold production is projected to be over 2.6 million ounces with an estimated mine life of 11 years. Drilling is underway, and the scope of the project continues to grow. Please visit our website, www.prodigygold.com, and read more. Prodigy Gold, today's discovery, tomorrow's future. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. 
Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me again uh, Michelle Bouchard. He's the president and CEO of Clifton Star. And for the sake of full disclosure, Clifton Star is a sponsor to the show, and it is also a recommendation in my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And just this, this morning, as I began to review Clifton Star um, and the story for this show, um, I, as I started to look over the story, I, I suggested or thought to myself, gosh, I should go out and buy some shares, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, the stock has been trading at a, a very, very low price, about one-eighth, a little more than one-eighth of its uh, value at its peak in the early part of 2010 when it sold at $8 a share. So it's currently trading at about $1.15 per share, 35.6 million shares outstanding, giving it a market cap of only about $41 million, despite the fact that it has a multi-million ounce resource in one of the most friendly places uh, to mine in the world, one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world, that being Quebec, and, and despite the fact that the company has really, in my view, upgraded its management uh, team very substantially. So it is really a pleasure, Michelle, to have you with us again. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jay, for having me. It's um, you, you have um, had a lot of success in the mining industry yourself, and I would say in any business, management is the most important thing that uh, investors should consider. I would say that's even more important in the mining industry than in many other industries because it is such a tough business. There's so many things that can go wrong, and a lot of people think that uh, opening a mine is just digging a hole in the ground. Nothing could be further from the truth. There's a whole lot of science that goes into a modern mining project, so I'm wondering if you could give our listeners just a little sense of what your background is. What have you done in the mining industry in the past? So people get a sense of, uh, of you as the leader of this company. Well, I've been with, uh, in the mining business for the last uh, 30 years or so. Uh, I started, I'm uh, at the base, I'm a geologist. I started uh, doing exploration work, you know, in faraway places, uh, especially in northern uh, Quebec when uh, there was no James Bay project there. And uh, gradually I went through a higher uh, type of, of work, uh, eventually becoming a vice president uh, exploration for a number of uh, junior companies, uh, some of them uh, like Audrey Resources uh, mm-hmm. and others were taken over by bigger companies over the time. Uh, after that, uh, I went to uh, to work with the Soquem, a crown corporation here in Quebec, which had a lot of success. And uh, eventually, I became a CEO of uh, a junior company like uh, the last one was Cadiscor. It was taken mm-hmm. over by North American uh, Palladium a few years mm-hmm. back. And mm-hmm. recently, I came back with uh, Clifton Star because... Uh, well, uh, you said it. It's an excellent project in a very uh, mining-friendly uh, uh, jurisdiction of the of this world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it. Uh, well, we want to get into some of the numbers and some of the reasons why I believe, and I want to hear you know you further explain some of these questions that I have. But a week or so ago, you announced a new gold resource uh, for Clifton Star uh, from its Duparquet property in Quebec. Can you give those numbers to our listeners? Yes, uh, we announced that, uh, first of all, it was the first time that uh, there was a, a 43101 report on the full deposit, not just parts or bits and pieces of it, so the first overall look. And we uh, announced that we had uh, 1.7 million uh, 
gold ounce in the indicated category and the same in the inferred category. So that's the overall picture for the deposit as we know it right now. But uh, even then, uh, you've got to report those in pit and inside the pit. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got uh, 1.3 million ounce of indicated and uh, mm -hmm. close to 1.2 in the inferred category. So it's mm -hmm. uh, already a sizable deposit, multi-ounce, uh, million ounce. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at uh, 2.4 to 2.5 million ounces in the uh, in the pit, uh, open yeah. pitable, mineable, uh, open pitable ounces, I guess, right? And uh, but the total, and so then you have a lot of uh, ounces uh, that would be approached from an underground uh, uh, mining situation. What is uh, is the strategy of the company to go forward with the open pit first? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we'll start with uh, the open pit uh, situation, and uh, you have to understand also that those numbers were calculated at the gold price, which is the three-year trailing average, of uh, $1,380 uh, Canadian, mm -hmm. which is uh, about $300 shy of the actual price. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will start with the open pit, and as we get uh, nearer to, uh, to uh, development and production decision, then uh, we will adjust uh, according to the gold price and, uh, and the mining condition and, and price at that point. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of, uh, of uh, still um, potential at depth and also toward the east, uh, there's very little drilling that was done east of the actual uh, pit design, so mm -hmm. we will uh, we will go there and uh, and check it out for sure. So you have excellent exploration potential beyond what you already have four to five million ounces here. The way it looks, it's uh, you know there's a, a potential uh, to to get to those numbers as we drill uh, more and more, and mm -hmm. uh, but we're already happy with. Uh, the numbers that we have, it's a very solid, uh, solid start. Mm -hmm. Have you done some metallurgical work on this uh, on this property? Yes, in fact, uh, we started uh, when I joined the company. One of the the problem with that uh, project was that uh, it had a, a reputation of uh, its refractory ore, and uh, historically, there has been 1.5 million ounce mined from uh, from that property. And historically, uh, recovery was 83% of the gold. And uh, because of that, it was seen as a problem for, with the metallurgy. Mm -hmm. So right from the start in last November, we started doing uh, testing at Lakefield, which was very well known here in Canada. And we got excellent results. And uh, it ex the reason for that is quite simple. Uh, last time there was mining and milling over there was in the 1950s. And since then, uh, the techniques and the metallurgical uh, field in general has evolved quite a bit. And nowadays, you know, uh, they do things that uh, they couldn't do in the 50s. So overall, we got uh, results in the 93% range of recovery hmm. for gold. Very good. Excellent. It puts it there with, uh, with some of the best uh, deposits. And I noticed that on your press release, uh, you also had some economic numbers in there, talking about twenty-four dollars a ton. We know more or less what the uh, what the grades are. They range somewhere between what about uh, one point eight and two point one ounces per ton, somewhere in that range. Yes, uh, can you give us our, our listeners some sense of what the economics might look like, or is it too early to comment on that yet? It's 
too early. We're just starting uh, uh, what we call a preliminary economic assessment, a PEA, mm -hmm. uh, that will be uh, ready at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. But already, the reason why we took uh, $24 a ton is simply because we use $2 a ton in the open pit, which mm -hmm. is uh, kind of uh, normal uh, at the, this stage of planning. And we took uh, $22 for milling, including uh, what we know about the metallurgy in the test. And I think that, uh, you know, $24 is a good uh, number. Mm -hmm. We can uh, project from that, but it's mm -hmm. a bit early to uh, to start uh, making prediction. But it looks good. Well, uh, on the metallurgical side, do you see this as a as a leachable uh, project, or is it going to have to be milled? No, it's it's a mill uh, situation. But at the same time, uh, as I said, uh, we I think we we've got the flow process now, the the flow sheet we call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty well corner. Uh, we did other tests with other process, uh, namely uh, what we call Albion, which is an Australian uh, process, and another one uh, called Biox, which is uh, used in South Africa. And both of them give us uh, numbers in the 93, 94% recovery range. So mm -hmm. One of the, the the thing that we'll do in the the PEA will be to compare the tree uh, the tree process and choose which which is the the most uh, the the best process for uh, the deposit we've got. Well, you have a, a very sizable deposit already, and it, it makes me wonder: uh, Are you considering taking this into production yourself, or would you be looking for? somebody to take you out, uh, to acquire you. I mean, I'm thinking of companies in your part of the world, Arizon and Agni Legal, for example, might find, um, you know, four plus five million ounces very attractive. Have you heard from, uh, have you had some interest shown to you from some of the majors? That would be one question. Secondly, are you prepared to take this uh, into production uh, on, uh, you know, as uh, on your own? You know, what, uh, what we're trying to do here is to push it as uh, forward as possible as a project to get uh, as much of the numbers on the table and to evaluate uh, what is the real value uh, that we have in the company. And uh, to do that, I think we have to, uh, to go ahead with the project as much as we can. Mm -hmm. As for uh, interest from party, yes, uh, we, we had a number of calls after uh, we released the numbers uh, mm -hmm. saying that uh, they were interested in, uh, in, in uh, following the story and being mm -hmm. close. Sure. But at this point, it's too early. But uh, one thing is for sure, when you look at uh, the value of the company, as you mentioned, the whole company right now is capitalized at $41 million. Mm -hmm. um, this is an interesting situation for uh, anybody to look at. There's no doubt about it, uh, Michelle. And, and when do you expect to come out with your PEA? Uh, we expect to have it at the end of this year. Okay, uh, we already started the, the, the selection of the, the firm, uh, the engineering firm that will uh, do it. Uh, there's two uh, uprunner right now uh, that are uh, bidding for uh, for the job. But uh, most, uh, not most, but a lot of work has been done already uh, through the resource estimation, the metallurgical uh, process. We already started the environmental side as well. Mm -hmm. so, uh, we're well ahead. Uh, we hope to have it, uh, hope the, 
to have the PEA at the end of this year. Well, you certainly have a, a mining-friendly jurisdiction. Uh, that is certainly a big thing that, that shouldn't be overlooked, and also I think the quality of your management team also is very is very positive. I, I really thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Anything else you think our listeners should know before we conclude our discussion today? No, I think uh, you sum it up uh, nicely. I think that uh, we're in the good part of the world to develop project, and as well uh, we're in the area where uh, there in a way there should be a premium because at least we can uh, move the project forward without uh, doubting that we'll still have it at the end. Excellent. Well, very good. Thank you very much, uh, Michelle, for being with us, and uh, we'll look forward to keeping up to date on your project as it progresses. Uh, hope to have you back again sometime in the not-too-distant future. Thank you thank very you much. Very folks, much. Don't, okay. Folks, Okay, thank you, Michelle. Folks, don't go away. Uh, we're going to be right back with Congressman Ron Paul and Lou Lehrman. We'll be talking about going forward to a gold standard for this time in, in history, and uh, it's going to be, I think, a very, very interesting discussion, so you're not going to want to miss it. Don't go away. We'll be right back with both of these gentlemen. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliff Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Why invest in Clifton Star Resources? Because they begin the year with excellent drilling results and high goal recovery tests on the Duparquet project. A new experience management team with proven exploration and development achievements is in place. The properties have historically produced over 1.5 million ounces of gold. They are located along the prolific Porcupine Dester Break in mining-friendly Quebec, near Rouen, Noranda. A new resource estimation will be released in May. Clifton Star is only 35 million shares outstanding and is well-funded. Are you looking for a junior gold company that will give you upside exposure to major gold discovery potential, cash flow, and is located in a secure jurisdiction? Goldrich offers you a unique opportunity and controls almost the entire historic Chandelar Mining District, located in the prolific Ambler Schist Belt in Alaska. The company is applying modern-day techniques to explore the district that previously hosted four hard rock gold mines and various placer operations. Visit Goldrich on the web at www.goldrichmining.com or look us up under the ticker symbol GRMC. Prodigy Gold is transitioning from gold explorer to mine developer. We are well-funded. Located in stable eastern Canada, the Magino Gold Project has a robust production profile of 250,000 ounces a year, strong project economics with a $939 million NPV. Total gold production is projected to be over 2.6 million ounces with an estimated mine life of 11 years. Drilling is underway, and the scope of the project continues to grow. Please visit our website, www.prodigygold.com, and read more. Prodigy Gold. 
Today's discovery, tomorrow's future. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me um, Lou Lehrman and uh, Congressman Ron Paul. <clears throat> it's really an honor to have each, uh, either of these gentlemen with us uh, uh, by themselves, but to have both of them together is really uh, quite a treat. So we're really pleased uh, that both of you could join us. I'm not going to spend time reading uh, their bios. Uh, they're, uh, it's not necessary. Both men are very well known to start with, but if you'd like to know a little bit more about either either of these gentlemen, you can certainly read their bios. They are on our website at the Voice America website. Uh, welcome, both of you, Mr. Lehrman and Congressman Paul, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Thank you, Jay. Good to be with really, you today. It's really a delight to have you both. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to... Um, uh, maybe start out a little bit. Of course, we want to talk about moving forward to a new gold standard, one that works for this uh, time in our history. Uh, and I want to get the views of both of you in terms of how we get from here to there, because uh, I'm starting out uh, with the premise that we are better off with honest money than dishonest money, and that the dishonest money that we've had has gotten us into a lot of trouble. And I think we're all on the same page uh, with regard to that. But if we could go back to history a little bit and just ask um, either of you to respond to this, why did Roosevelt think he needed to, to uh, take the right to own gold away from the American people back in 1932? Lou, would you care to, to help us with that? Yes. In a word, uh, Roosevelt came to power with the notion that he and his elite advisors uh, knew all they had to know about running the monetary and economic system from a social welfare point of view better than the American people themselves. Mm. By taking the gold owned by the American people from them, he took the regulating power over the supply of money out of the hands of the people. For under the true gold standard, uh, which had existed up until World War One when uh, governments or central banks or banking systems produced more money than people wanted to hold, the people had uh, basically the governing power to determine the supply of money in circulation. They could take mm -hmm. the money they no longer desired because government was printing too much, and they could turn it in and redeem it for gold. So the ultimate control under a true gold standard of the supply of money is in the hands of the people. Roosevelt uh, and or his advisors recognized this, and I think that is one of the many, but maybe the most important reason for the mm -hmm. expropriation that they carried out. Mm -hmm. Ron, would you have anything to uh, to add to that? Yeah, I would certainly go along with what Lou just said. But I see gold as being important because it uh, provides a, a restraining effect on those who want big government. And obviously when Roosevelt came into power, 
his motivation was for a lot bigger government, a lot more printing money, a lot more debt, and somebody to buy this debt up. So people who like big government cannot stand the gold standard. So they wanted to, because it's a restrainer. But if you're for big government, you have to get rid of the gold standard. So it was, it started to be undermined as early, you know, as early as the Fed was started in 1913. But obviously in the 30s, they get into trouble. They didn't blame the Federal Reserve. They blamed capitalism and gold standard. So therefore the door was open. Uh, to get rid of the gold and the restraint on it, and therefore they could spend uh, endlessly. So there's a lot of economic and moral and constitutional reasons why we should advocate gold. But uh, in the practical world of appealing to many, many conservatives, it should be a fiscal issue as well. Mm-hmm. Because today, if you didn't have the automatic monetization of debt by the Federal Reserve and you had sound money, believe me, there wouldn't be a deficit problem because interest rates would go up and the Congress would have to quit spending money. Today, mm-hmm. though, we can delay the inevitable and just let them print the money and and cause the problems to linger and actually get much worse in the meantime. Yeah, we can delay the inevitable, but we but there is the inevitable that we're still yeah. having to deal with, and it seems as though we're getting closer and closer to that date of uh, day of reckoning, as they say. Well, if uh, big government was the reason for Roosevelt taking us off the gold standard, why did Nixon close the international standard in 1971? Ron, would you care to opine on that? Well, uh, it's because we did uh, live way beyond our means, and it was a farce to say that our dollar was as good as gold at $35 an ounce. So that was international restraint. And uh, it seems that history shows that when governments abuse their money and they pretend they're on a gold standard, they eventually uh, quit because if they don't, all the gold will be gone. So we had nearly, I guess, over 500 million ounces. We got down under 300 million. They knew it was coming, and they, came, they couldn't go through this pretense anymore. Uh, I think the amazing thing, and I don't know whether Lou would agree with me on this, the amazing thing is that many of us were concerned in the 70s, and we were watching this, uh, and it was a very, very bad sign, but it's pretty amazing to many of us how long it lasted afterwards. You know, the trust, the trust in the dollar has lingered for a long, long time. Uh, even today, there's trust in, it's, a, it's an undeserved trust in the, in the dollar. But I think it was the same principle internationally so that, uh, we could keep spending and sending money overseas and, uh, nobody, uh, called us this task because otherwise it was an admission that we were bankrupt. We couldn't honor our commitments if we were going to pay our bills as we had legally promised to pay them in gold. So that was, again, instead of the government protecting and guaranteeing contracts, private and government, you know, in, in redemption in gold, we were actually, the government was actually doing the exact opposite. They deliberately broke the contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lou, any, anything else to say about why Nixon took us off the international standard? I, as I recall, that was Vietnam and Lyndon Johnson's Great Society put pressures on the budget, and we were issuing debt, and de Gaulle said he didn't want any more of our dollars. But uh, what do you see, uh, Mr. Lehrman, for, uh, with respect to uh, Mr. Nixon's uh, motivation? Well, I think Ron made a very important point. Um, not all gold standards are equal. There is the classical gold standard, the true gold standard, where a currency by law is defined as a weight unit of gold. And all the authorities, uh, the banking system, uh, is required to redeem the, 
uh, all currencies or bank deposits in gold upon demand. Then there is that system which existed under Bretton Woods, and I might add, uh, during the interwar period from 1922, the Conference of Genoa, until the breakout of the Second World War in 1939-1940, namely the gold exchange standard or the reserve currency system, where reserve currencies, uh, the dominant currencies of the trading system, uh, are substituted for gold. In the interwar period, it was the, uh, the, uh, the British pound and the dollar, and in the post-World War II system, it was the dollar alone under the Bretton Woods system, which mm-hmm. enabled the United States to print its own money without limit to finance both the budget deficits of Lyndon Johnson, to which you referred, Jade, uh, mm-hmm. Jay, both the budget deficits and the balance of payments deficits, to print its own money to pay for those deficits, sending more and more uh, dollars abroad, which Ron suggested, which, uh, uh, again, as you pointed out, uh, de Gaulle said, look, I don't want all this paper pouring over here. I'm going to redeem my dollars for gold. Now, uh, that was the general flaw in the gold exchange standard or the reserve currency system, which exists to this very day. The dollar is the world dollar standard. It, the dollar is the official reserve currency of the world, which still enables the United States to print its own money to pay for these trillion and a half dollar budget deficits, not to mention a $600, $700 billion balance of payments deficit because we are sending more dollars abroad than we are uh, bringing back as a result of a deficit in our exports. So in the end, that was the larger question uh, that disrupted both the interwar monetary system and uh, the Bretton Woods system under uh, Johnson, uh, President Johnson and Nixon. All it goes to show is that uh, what we need to restore, what we need to go forward to, is a modernized true gold standard uh, system. I wish to make only one other point to show how corrupt uh, the... The official reserve currency system under Bretton Woods was when uh, President Nixon in 1970 looked around and he saw a recession. He had a man at the, at the Federal Reserve Board uh, chairmanship by the name of Arthur Burns, a very famous economist uh, from Columbia University. And, in fact, I think he had been the, the head of the National Bureau of Economic Research. And he told Burns that he wanted the money supply pumped up in order to get out of the recession and to be reelected. Well, one fact was that Nixon was reelected in one of the biggest popular landslides, uh, given the revival of the economy, given the pumping of the money into the system by Arthur Burns. Uh, but, of course, that led to the same consequences that we are seeing today, namely uh, inflation, price and wage controls, and then deflation and, and unemployment. So... What happens under anything other than the true gold standard of official reserve currency system or a gold exchange uh, standard is that it gives the power to the politicians of the reserve currencies to manipulate the currency. Okay, well, we've we've got ourselves in quite a mess. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I think you both would agree that uh, it's there. Ultimately, we are going to face a day of reckoning. It seems like that day could be coming very, very soon, given all that's happening in Europe. Um, and and I notice that if I look back and read what Murray Rothbard wrote about the 1930s and how uh, the gold standard that we were on then didn't really stop us from 
pushing money into the system, but it wasn't let out. It was like pushing on a string. It seems to me the same thing is going on today. Huge amounts of money sitting in the in the banking system is not getting lent out. We had um, Walker Todd on this show last week, who's a former Federal Reserve um, uh, lawyer and economist, uh, who suggested, uh, and he, by the way, is also very much interested and believes we need to go back on a gold standard, but he believes the only way of getting out of this mess right now is for the federal government to guarantee to the banks some sort of major lending program for student loans or one thing or another. And he's he's saying he, he's not advocating that except, I mean, he says we should never have gotten to that position to begin with. But now, could we avoid that and go on to a gold standard and get away from uh, this continual uh, kicking the can down the road? Could we just go on a gold standard now and fix the problem? Um, perhaps, Ron, you would like to mm-hmm. start with that? Well, uh, the, the great danger there would be to do something like the British did, you know, in the 1920s. They went back to a gold standard, and they went back to the old ratio, and that was very deflationary, and it didn't work. So it depends on how you do and what you do. It. I like to get people to think about what happened after the Civil War period. Uh, the greenbacks distorted the gold standard, and they went off from 61 up until 19, 1878. But in 1875, they, they passed the Resumption Act, and uh, it was a non-event. I mean, they three years, the price of gold went back to $20 an ounce. We didn't have a welfare state. We weren't fighting foreign wars. The people actually believed their government back then that they wouldn't be expended, uh, spending excessively, and they quit printing greenbacks today though uh it's much more difficult that's why i like to look at what hayek talks about and that is uh, legalizing competition and maybe denationalizing gold and let contracts really mean something so i i want to talk about having a parallel standard we have many parallel standards internationally that would be one way of doing it but if uh even i uh, coming out so strongly against the fed i don't advocate closing the fed down and saying tomorrow we're going to have a gold standard because i i i understand the difficulties there but there's no reason why we can't legalize the constitutional legalized contract anybody tries that today they can go to jail for this you know if you use anything else and pretend that a silver dollar is legal tender even though it's in the us silver dollar you're in big trouble so uh, that's one thing I've been working on, on the competing currencies, and then work for the transition. But nothing is going to work unless the appetite for spending uh, doesn't change. As long as that appetite is so big, we don't have the production anymore. We're living off debt. We're just going to keep doing this until the whole thing comes down on our head. But I argue that if you have something parallel, something else that people can look at, that could be much easier be the replacement than saying, well, let's just wait till it collapses, then everybody will come to their senses and have a gold standard. I think we should prepare uh, for the day when uh, it'll be absolutely necessary, and uh, we want the least amount of chaos and the most amount of people understanding this. This is why Lou's work on this thing has been so good in his organization. He introduces these ideas to a lot of people. So we can, we can Lou and I can be, and, and Jay, we can all be exactly right, but you still have to have a consensus. You know, the prevailing attitude in the 30s was gold was the evil and capitalism was evil. So we mm-hmm. have to convert that thinking, and that's a major undertaking. Oh, that's a major undertaking, Ron, but you certainly have, have done a, a great job, I think, in, in helping people to start to see that, understand uh, the truth about those issues, about free market capitalism and how uh, a sound monetary, honest monetary system is necessary to have that. I would say... Uh, we do want to get to this notion of how do we get from here to there? How do we get back to 
uh, or let's say, uh, I know I have to keep saying this to myself, I need to correct myself, how do we move forward to a gold standard that works for today? Because I think, Ron, as I read over the case for gold, and you, wrote, you and Lou wrote the minority opinion, you made the point then, even back in 1982, that it was very important that we have a gold standard or that we, that we go to one that really is, is right for the time. So, Lou, I'm wondering if you have any ideas. Ron is talking about competition, allowing gold to compete with the dollar. How would you how would you implement, or how would do you have some thoughts about how we can go forward to a gold standard? Well, I do, Jay, and Ron was generous enough to um, refer to uh, the book I just published called it uh, the True Gold Standard, uh, and uh, there I try to lay out the the steps of how we get from here to there, and uh, may I say right at the beginning that um, it, it's important to remember that in 1913, when the Federal Reserve Act was passed, America was on the gold standard. In a word, the Federal Reserve Act and the Federal Reserve System was made for the gold standard, not the gold standard for the Federal Reserve, nor the Federal Reserve for the um, unhinged paper money system that we have today. So that if you look at the original legislation and look at the congressman, even the great gold Democrat, uh, Carter Glass, uh, insisted that the Federal Reserve System was there to reinforce the congressionally established definition of the dollar. There, there is not two, two things, a, a dollar over here and gold over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dollar was defined by law as, in fact, the Constitution uh, requires in Article One, uh, Sections Eight and Ten, that the dollar was defined in law as a weight unit of gold. Now, as long as we keep that first principle in mind, uh, we can we can establish the steps by which a modernized gold standard will be uh, established. And I do believe it's going to happen. And I'm not at all certain that we need a vast, uh, um, you know, two-thirds consensus for this to happen. It, it requires leadership, uh, the kind of leadership that uh, Ron referred to uh, that led to the 1875 Resumption Act and then, and then a seamless convertibility in 1879, which led to uh, the, the greatest growth period in American history. Mm-hmm. So step one is for the President of the United States and the leading members of Congress to announce that America is going to go forward to the reestablishment of a dollar as good as gold, a dollar defined in law by statute under the constitutional powers as a weight unit of gold. Second step is to say that there will be a market discovery period, not unlike what Ron is referring to, where parallel currencies uh, could develop. That is to say, uh, if we abolish the legal tender laws. Uh, the third step would be uh, after the market discovery period, letting you know millions, billions of people understand that America was finally going to take the lead again to establish an honest money, uh, a, a sound dollar. Then we would have this period. Perhaps it would take a year or two or even three to see as the market reoriented itself to the fact that we were now not going to have a depreciating and appreciating dollar. We were going to have a dollar defined in law as a weight unit of gold. Then Congress, as it does. Ron has, has already done this. He's held the, the most brilliant hearings over the years on 
the gold standard, the Federal Reserve System, the monetary system in general. Congress's job is to hold legislative hearings to find the facts and then develop the legislation. Congress would hold hearings in the appropriate committee. God willing, it would be Ron's committee. And then the definition of the dollar would be established by law at a level which would ensure that there would be no fall in nominal wages. That, that is to say, the example that Ron cited, namely in 1925 when Britain reestablished convertibility, the parity of the pound then, or the parity of the dollar to gold in this new modernized gold standard, would be established such that there would be no fall in wages, no deflation, that it would be a seamless uh, transition, just as it was after the Civil War in 1879. And mm. that is why I believe that it is not very hard to get from here to there. What we need is American leadership. We, we need presidents who do not revile the business system or the free market system. We need a, a, we need a president and a Congress, which we may very well get, that will embrace the free market. And then it's... Guys, Men like Ron Paul, who have a lot of influence in certain uh, areas of the legislation, begin to hold hearings on how we go forward. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly uh, the work that Ron is doing is inspiring a lot of younger people that uh, to think along these terms. Um, some of the uh, the established guys in Congress, I, I would like to be optimistic. I, I don't know. I, I would think that we'd be much better off if we could do this as a nation, decide to do this. But what I see happening potentially uh, are some storm clouds over the horizon globally that might suggest that uh, that we are some, at some point in time perhaps forced to go on the gold standard? Is do you, either of you gentlemen think that might be possible? Well, I think that's more or less what's happened throughout history. Uh, a lot of people say that we who believe in gold are uh, old-fashioned, but the people who destroy currencies are much older-fashioned. They've been doing that for centuries as well. Uh, it is true that real money, sound money, does come from the marketplace, and it's been around a long time. But I think we are making progress. I think ideological, if you don't have the ideological ideas, the uh, general public uh, will never accept them. But the other thing that's happening today is the absolute need. So I have been uh, really pleasantly surprised on how much attention we've gotten in the last four years because uh, we didn't uh, – there wasn't that much concentration, even though the conditions were very bad when Lou and I were on the Gold Commission. Uh, you know, interest rates were sky high and gold prices were soaring, and it was, it was a real mess. But I think we're getting more attention now because of the seriousness and people recognizing how bad this financial situation is uh, worldwide. But, you know, up until 1975, and be, since uh, Roosevelt uh, made gold illegal, uh, we re-legalized gold. This has been a, a big help to us, getting more people involved in understanding the benefits of gold. But also, the one thing that I could say, uh, Lou and I could probably be a little frustrated that we didn't achieve a heck of a lot with the Gold Commission, but they did throw us something, and that was the coinage, American coinage of gold. Uh, the mm -hmm. Silver Eagle and the Gold Eagle came out of that. We weren't even minting our own coins. So this is a good step in the, in the uh, right direction. But we still have a ways to go, but I think it's going to be the need uh, for the replacement of the system 
And the concerns you have, Jay, I think are realistic because uh, I, I don't believe the dollar deserves the trust it's getting. I don't believe uh, our Treasury bills justifies the price you have to pay for a Treasury bill that makes zero interest. That that is it's, it's so illogical. So this this will come to an end, and not only will they leave these other currencies, they'll eventually, I think, uh, leave the dollar and start spending them. And I think there's evidence that that's happening already. No, we're going to have to go to a break here in just a couple of minutes, but I, I do notice that uh, perhaps the respect that you talk about, Ron, that, that is given the dollar may be fading somewhat. I saw the other day that the Chinese and the Japanese have made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an agreement to settle their trade uh, in their own currencies uh, so that they don't have to trade uh, or uh, settle their trade in dollars. And I notice uh, there's been some talk as well that of a, a gold-backed bond in Europe perhaps to uh, – to allow the Europeans to uh, to, to borrow, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. in Spain. I'm not sure. I don't have details on it. Uh, I hear about some of these uh, other nations that are trying to avoid dollars for settlement of their trade, and I'm wondering if that isn't an indication. I also noticed that it seems to me, and Lou, you would know better than I, I'm sure, but from what I can see, it looks to me that long before the Lehman Brothers decline, or a debacle here in 2008, that there was probably a fading appetite for U.S. Treasuries from some of the creditor nations, because it seems to me that the U.S., um, that the Fed was probably monetizing, uh, doing QEs, as it were, uh, on an increasing basis for a while before uh, before Lehman Brothers. Would you agree with that? I do. Uh, the Fed has been doing QEs, actually, uh, since the end of the Eisenhower administration. It's just the fashion of the vocabulary of monetary economists who don't know their history, which has caused uh, QE1, QE2, potentially QE3, to be thought as an innovation. This is what the Federal Reserve uh, has been doing ever since the end of the Eisenhower administration. I want to say one other thing that takes off from a point that both you and Iran uh, have suggested about uh, the world uh, money crisis, which we are now facing. The reason why we are going to have a gold standard, why American leadership is going to develop uh, to mobilize the very constituency that Ron Paul has kept alive uh, now for a generation, is that all the other monetary gods have failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milton Friedman's floating exchange rate has been shown to be nothing but an agency for subsidizing exports and beggar thy neighbor uh, international trade policies, undervalued currencies, and the destruction of American manufacturing. Um, the Keynes's prescription of uh, uh, floating currencies and uh, uh, fiscal, counter-cyclical fiscal policy has shown to do nothing but create $1.5 trillion deficits in the United States, impoverishing the second and third and the fourth generations to come after us. So we've tried all of these academic experiments. And uh, the blackboards of Princeton University and the University of Chicago have shown to be wanting. There is only one other system that has actually been proven in the laboratory of human history, and that is the true gold standard. That's the only one left, and it, it can be shown uh, empirically and from the study of American history, not to mention uh, European history, that it, in fact, was used to save every catastrophic currency failure uh, throughout moder- modern history, I should say throughout the last 400 years of um, the European and American history. So it's the only one left. Now, as Ron was saying, we have to continue to mobilize and build on the constituency which he has created. 
Well, that's uh, that. I, it certainly does seem to be true, Lou. That uh, everything that's tried is is certainly not working. It didn't work in the 30s, and they're trying to do more of the same now. It seems, and and again, it's not working. We do have to go to a commercial break now, and I'm hoping that both of you can come back on the other side of the break because I have some more questions I'd like to ask about the structure. Do we need a Federal Reserve? Do we need a central bank at all? Uh, if we do, uh, should it be totally? Should the currency be totally backed with gold, or can there be a fractional reserve banking? Questions like that, I'd like to get to. So, if we can uh, have you both well, back excuse, after. Excuse me, Jay, because I yeah. do have to sign off at the top of the hour. But I want to thank you for having me on. It's great to talk to Lou again, and we certainly will be following this up. I'm sure. Okay, thank you very much, Ron. Okay, See folks, you soon, we'll be right Ron. back. Okay, Lou, good to talk to you. We'll, Jay, we'll be right back after around. break. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Arrowway Energy is an oil-focused Canadian-based production and exploration company operating in the Peace River Arch region of northern Alberta, Canada, with a land base of over 28,000 hectares, surrounded by major oil and gas producers such as Birchcliffe Energy and Shell Canada. Arroway is currently producing 650 BOE per day, 90% oil. Arroway is debt-free, cash flow positive, and funded through its 2012 drill program. Arroway is listed on the OTCQX under the symbol ARWJF and on the TSX Venture under the symbol ARW. Why invest in Clifton Star Resources? Because they begin the year with excellent drilling results and high goal recovery tests on the Duparquet project. A new experience management team with proven exploration and development achievements is in place. The properties have historically produced over 1.5 million ounces of gold. They are located along the prolific Porcupine Dester Break in mining-friendly Quebec, near Rouen, Naranda. A new resource estimation will be released in May. Clifton Star is only 35 million shares outstanding and is well-funded.